I would love to be one of those individuals that learn from watching the failures of others. But sometimes in my life, I've had to fail myself to really make the change that, mm -hmm. that I needed to make to be the person that I needed to be. Welcome to Seriously Catherine, a podcast about taking your business seriously, but not yourself. So this week's hot take revolves around me going away. I'm going home for the weekend. It's like part necessity, part business, part just I need to get out of Dodge. And sometimes going to the movie by yourself just doesn't cut it. You got to get out. So I'm going away Thursday to Sunday, and I cannot be more excited. I miss home. I haven't been home since Thanksgiving. And home with the kids is a different experience than home like by myself. Like I'm going to have like the freedom to go meet my girlfriends and or do whatever the f I want to. I'm so excited. I may even ride in a Mardi Gras parade this weekend to be determined. I'll keep you guys posted. But it is Mardi Gras. It's carnival season in New Orleans. So it's a great time to go down there and not get into too much trouble. This is sort of like a conflicted, you know, topic because some moms I find like would never, would never go away by themselves. And then maybe not even like, maybe they would go away, but not by themselves, like without their husband. So, or it's got to be a girl's trip or it's got to be like, there's got to be some sort of like thing that is taking you away so you don't feel the guilt of leaving your children. And I don't, I don't have any of that guilt. I mean, call me what you want, but I don't have the guilt. I mean, I'm with my kids all the time. I spend lots of time with them. And I think it's important for them to have a sense of independence and confidence when I'm not around because like, let's face it, I'm not going to be around forever. So yeah, you're on your own kids, <laughs> as Taylor Swift would say. Speaking of Taylor, speaking of football, I mean, it's impossible, you know, for her to be in your face when you're talking about football. And the fashion, that's what I liked watching it for. Like, I th I'm sorry, but fashion, football fashion has come a long way since, like, I actually really watched football. I used to be really into football when the Saints were doing really well. And they were in the Super Bowl, and it was after Katrina, and everybody was just, like, living that, like, pride of New Orleans. It's been re-enlightened by Taylor Swift. I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm a Chiefs fan. Like, there are some people who are like, oh, now I'm watching football. I'm watching the Chiefs. I'm all about the Chiefs because of Taylor Swift. I'm not that intense. Um, but I am certainly, like, on top of what she's wearing because she, I mean, she wears something different. It's so cute. And, like, again, fashion has come so far. So if you are looking for a place to go and watch football in Saratoga, uh, Saratoga Living has some suggestions a couple of them I agree with. I think like Harvey's could be a really fun spot to watch a football game. But I think of, when I think of Harvey's, I think more of like soccer instead of American football. So that's just like my stance on that. King's Tavern is definitely a really cool place to go watch some football. I mean, you're going to be like high-fiving and hugging people on the way in and out. Or maybe you're going to be getting fights. I don't know. They're They're like... It's a fun crowd there. And then the other two places that I, I don't think are mentioned here is Trotters and Clancy's. Like those are those are big places or the, you know, sports bar vibe where you are gonna be able to like get rowdy and, you know, yell at the TV and everything and it's gonna be totally acceptable. So that is what I have to say about that. Okay, so if you know me, you know that I love what I do and I'm a workaholic. So if I ever have a chance to get away, 
I can't go too far away without my kids and without being so far away from work. The Adelphi is my go-to. What's really great about the Adelphi is that it has everything you need. It's right there on Broadway. It has a restaurant. It's got the breakfast joint. It's got it all. And the room service is amazing. So last Christmas, we did Christmas Day night at the Adelphi. We booked the Polaris suite, which is really special because it has a hot tub on the balcony. And the kids loved it. It was so much fun. We ordered room service. And it was just like the most special thing. And again, it's got a jacuzzi. I mean, who doesn't want to use a jacuzzi at the Adelphi. If you don't have the opportunity to stay at the Adelphi, you can still go and hang out in their in their lobby or eat at their restaurants. The best sushi in town, by far, I believe, is at the Adelphi. You should get the rainbow roll. You can thank me later. It's delicious. It's absolutely the bomb. If you are local and you need a night off or a night away, don't go too far. Go right there to the Adelphi. Book yourself a room, have dinner there, have breakfast in the morning, and you'll feel like a totally different person when you wake up. On this week's episode of Seriously Catherine, we are joined by Dr. Shay Butler. Shay is an amazing role model to me. She's an author, speaker, executive, strategist, and mother wife, and I am just so excited for you guys to hear about her and have her tell her story. She authored a book called Better Not Perfect, From Hot Mess to Life Success, A Woman's Guide to Learning, Loving, and Being Herself Unapologetically. And I cannot wait for this conversation. You have such a unique story, and you're so open and transparent about it. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that I just absolutely love about you is mm -hmm. that you put it all out on the table. And um, I, I pride myself in being transparent, or at least attempting to be mm -hmm. transparent. But it's hard, you know, to do that in a marriage, in mm -hmm. a in a business, um, with your kids, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. I, you know, I want I definitely want you to speak to that too. Is yeah. like you're raising a family, and that has a lot to do with how you show up in the world. It does. And it, and it probably played a key role into my choices about purpose and purpose for a season. And, and when I do talk to audiences, I do talk about that. You know, one of the things that I'm known for saying is that, you know, I, I can't see how an all-knowing creator would give us on average 80 years of life and one thing to do. The math doesn't add up. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense, you know. So there's purpose for seasons yeah. in our lives. And, and um, when you see that, when you realize that, when you embrace and understand that, then the pressure is off. You know, I used to, I do some executive coaching, um, although it's really not coaching. It's really more of, of, I call myself a career life strategist, because one thing that I learned about myself is actually when I started to go through this process of, of coaching and learning what it took to be a coach, I said, well, that's not really not me. I'm not really the person that's going to ask these probing questions to guide you along. I'm more of the thought partner that's going to come alongside you and we're going to roll up our sleeves and we're going to come up with a strategy and a plan of execution. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so when you need to unpack things, go to your therapist. I have one. I believe in therapy. You know, when you need to process and, and, and you need some guidance, you know, have a coach. I've had one. Believe in what, what coaches do. But then when you have all that information and you're sitting there like, what? Okay, what am I going to do? You know, I'm unpacking me. I'm unpacking life. You know, 
now what do I do with it? Yeah, now what? Yeah, so I'm, when you have the now what question, come find me. Okay, that's, that's, yeah. That's what I and do. so that's amazing because I think a lot of times people get there, right? Mm-hmm. They do all this investing and investigating into their lives and, you know, what makes them tick and what they want out of it and everything. And then the action piece is, is like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, now what? Yeah. Like I know what I want to do. And then you got people who, who just have no clue. Right. You know, and right. I worry about as a, when I was growing up, I was so lost. Like, mm-hmm. I think growing up, it was like, you know, go to college, get something, get some sort of degree, but more importantly, meet somebody and mm-hmm. marry him and have his babies. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard of that? Getting the business oh, degree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I don't think I put much focus on what it is I wanted to do with myself as much as I put focus on you know, that that piece. And I mean, I don't want to say it was a disservice because I am married to the guy I met in college. And, you know, we have these three beautiful kids and a life that we've created for ourselves. But it wasn't until I moved to Saratoga and I felt like, wow, this is such a new beginning and a new opportunity to put my stake in the ground and figure out who I am. And it just opened up a whole new world. But prior to that, it was like I was just going along with the flow. And it was not like I had a plan. Right, right. And sometimes we do happen into things, you know. I'm a person, I'm a woman of faith. I don't believe that there are accidents. You know, I believe in different seasons of my life, even though I didn't have a plan, I was still exactly where I was supposed to be. I can look back, I can think of the impacts that I made in in previous seasons and prior roles Mm -hmm. and, and early on in my career or early in my family. And no, there wasn't this big strategy. There wasn't this plan. There wasn't this, you know, but... Yet and still, when I look back, I was right where I was supposed to be. So we've we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast with other guests about how I'm very much so you you do have to go through the challenges and you have to be challenged. You have to overcome mm-hmm. to really get a sense of well, you know who you are, what you, how strong you are, your resiliency to build all that character building. Right. But there are some people who are on the camp of like, no, you actually didn't have to go through all that shit, and you didn't have to go through the trauma, and you didn't have to be put in a corner or um, oppressed or felt to believe that you were less than to overcome. And so I would love to get your take on this, because you've been through some shit. <laughs> I have. No, I really have. And I tell about it, I talk about it yeah. all in, in the book, Better Not Perfect, From Hot Mess to Life Success, you know, I am solidly in the camp of those experiences made me yeah. the woman I am today. And the woman I am today is purposed to be able to sit down, have authentic, transparent conversations with other women who are going through or have been through similar things and who are broken because there was a period in my life where I was broken to help them think about the rebuilding process. There's a chapter, I think it's chapter two in the book, that goes first you dig, then you build. And I talk about the foundation. Sometimes when you're destined to go really high in life, sometimes you have to dig that foundation really low because it has to uphold and sustain yeah. everything that's going to go layer by layer, floor by floor. And so if I didn't learn resiliency young as a pregnant teenager who... You were 13, right? I was 13 when I got pregnant, 14 when I had my baby. So if I wasn't in the type of like ultra conservative church that I was in and to have this 
thing happen and have to go through because my mother said, no, no, you're going every Sunday. You're going to go. You're going to hold your head up high. You're going to be strong because she had this, this thing like Mary Magdalene thing, like let he that is among you that has no sin throw the first stone, you know? Mm. And as an adult, I could see how she might see it that way. But as a teenager having to live it and yeah. walk in it, it was traumatic. Yes. You know, it was so traumatic and I always felt judged. Yeah. So what, are you, did you raise Catholic? Was it no, Catholic church? No, no, no. Believe me, there are Protestant. Yeah, it was, it was more like an evangelical type okay. of church. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, re organized religion, it's an interesting, uh, you know, system. It is. Where, you know, you're being taught not to judge, you're being taught to be open, but then you're, the demonstration is not that. No, no. I mean, in my experience. Yeah. I was raised Catholic, so, yeah. I mean, there was a huge sort of, just like so many examples, everyday examples are like, well, wait a minute, as Catholics, shouldn't we be accepting of this, or shouldn't we be supportive of this, or understanding, or not judgmental, but that's not the reality of what, what it was. And no, and we do sometimes a, a real disservice to God and, and to Christ if you're a Christian, mm -hmm. you know, because you're not always living out what the tenets of your faith are or the espoused tenets of your faith. Yeah. And so thankfully, though, as you mature, if you stick with it, um, and there was a time I left it. There was a time I left the church. I wasn't really practicing my faith. But what drew me back was a reintroduction to the God of love. And that sometimes you can see in people and sometimes you don't. Yeah. But as long as God isn't doing the things that people are doing, then I can still embrace the faith and just say, well, Lord, that's your problem. You, yeah. you work on the people. Yeah. Let me just, Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. called to that. I'm called to this. So let me, let God do what God does and let me do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a good way to put it. Anyway, this is, this is a whole nother conversation we could have on religion. I don't really need to go to church to pray to God. Like I have a conversation with him on a daily basis and I do pray, um, just not in the sense that, you know, other people do. Yeah. And I understand that point. Uh, I think for me, I have a different lens that I bring when I think about that. And one of the lenses is the same way I sort of believe in, bring, believe in the sisterhood, right, and being around women. I don't have to be around women to be a supporter of women. Right. But it helps to be in an environment where yeah. I'm around women. So yeah. I look at church kind of the same way in that I don't have to go to church to love and worship God. But I like to be around, you know, like-minded people. Yeah, it's the people. It's the community. It, it's the community that's built. Yeah. yeah. And I also think that there's, like, this sense of accountability, right? So if mm -hmm. you're showing up every day and um, you're talking about things that are happening in your world and in your life, they're there to support you through that yes. instead of yes. um, you feeling isolated yeah. and alone and, like, you yeah. gotta, you'll have to figure it out by yourself. And the one thing I've done is I took my daughter to church, um, not as regularly and as often as I did my sons growing up. I was just in a different place. So my daughter is the daughter of the, my teenage years. My two sons, who are 18 and 17, are the children of my married years. Mm -hmm. And the one thing is, you know, I, want, I don't want people to think that because you practice faith, you don't bring your brain to church. Mm -hmm. And I think that's sometimes the impression. So when you talk about being skeptical— I think that's, that's the perfect place for you 
because you do. You you test everything. I test everything that's given to me. Yeah. I don't care if it's the PhD standing in front of me in a course, you know, or if it's the preacher on Sunday morning. I test everything that yeah. I'm, I'm given. It's also you know, taking into consideration things that happened, right? I kind of always went back to like, you know, if you're going to say you're going to do something, do it. I have a strong faith in myself and I have a strong expectation on my own self and like a reputation to uphold. And I don't ever want that to be tarnished because I said I was going to do something and then didn't. And I don't know if that was like an upbringing too. Like maybe that was something like your values, the values that were Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I just, I always show up. I think... That is another thing that I have really had to navigate as I grow older, right? Like I have I have three kids. My husband travels for work. I, I can't show up at everything, right? right? I can't actually be at all the things and I can't do all the things anymore because I just don't have the the capacity. Right. And so learning how to ask people for help. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought I was really good at asking for help until you get to a point like where you you really do have to tell people like okay I can't I can't, literally can't do this anymore. Right. So it did take me almost dying in August, losing all the blood, and it's been a, a journey yeah. to to really to do that. It's easier said than done. And that's a sign. Uh, I mean, sometimes we don't think that we're perfectionists, but then sometimes our lived experience shows that there are those aspects of perfectionism that are in our personality. Mm-hmm. You know, because while you're doing it. Because it, it's your instilled values to be a woman of your word and you know what the impact can be if you if you don't keep your word. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be less about what people think about you, whereas for some people they're driven more by what people think about them. If I don't show up or I promise to be here, or I promise be, to be there. There are all different types of manifestations of how we show up as perfectionists, mm-hmm. you know, and that is one of them. The fact that you felt so deeply about um, not being able to to be there and to to be that woman of your word in every instance or situation, and we know that there is the intent and then there's the impact, right? Yeah. So my dad intended to be a great father when he started out on this journey, but because of challenges in his life, drugs and alcohol that I later talk about even in my life, drugs and alcohol, he wasn't aware of the impact when his intentions were not manifested. And so by that, I mean, he wanted to be there, but he couldn't be there because his addiction made him inconsistent. Mm -hmm. And inconsistency for a child is part of that trauma that you experience early on. So, I mean, I in my dating years, I was not the woman, I was not the one you really wanted to date. Because if you weren't a man of your word, you were I mean, dead, you were oh, dead, you yeah. were you were yeah. DOA. Yeah, you know, if and it would be around the smallest things, but it, and it really wasn't about that person. It was it about, was about my shit. dad. Yeah, and your own shit. It was about yeah. my own stuff, right? Yeah. My dad. You know, oh, you know, I was remembering. Here we, go again. Here we yeah. go. Here we go. You know, you said you were coming to my family's cookout, and now you're saying you have to work that day. But you made this promise. You told me you were going to do this, and I had to really work through some stuff to come yeah. on the other side of that. Yeah. I was having dinner with friends and we were sort of talking about another another mom and the way that she shows up and a lot of moms feel judged. And, you know, and I, I just like recognized in this situation that this woman isn't actually judging, you know, she's just, she's incapable of showing that support and 
because she's got her own baggage yeah. and her own stuff happening, yep. you know? Yep. So this is, I think, you'll have clients forever, right? <laughs> if you're working with <laughs> women, yep. mothers who are trying to overcome perfectionism and, and yeah, what people think and what they think of themselves, it's it's so, so loaded. But yeah. it's such important work because when we help women in our world, we, we do help the world. We change the world, right? Like, yes. it's so interesting, too. Like, a lot of the times we don't feel like we need to work on ourselves until it gets really obvious. It's almost right. like a, you know, a, a brick to your head. Right, that right. It makes you, like, wake up and then do the work. It's true. Um, I mean, I would say I would love to be one of those individuals that learned from watching the failures of others. But sometimes in my life, I've had to fail myself to really make the change that, mm-hmm. that I needed to make to be the person that I needed to be. You know, and I love that Taraji said that because sometimes I think we set up this dichotomous system, whereas if you're all about women, you have to be anti-men. And we don't have to be. You know, it doesn't—we can come along together. I think we can't be, right? That's what they have been doing all along, and look where we are, right? right? So if we're going to take that power and start stepping into that and taking action and leading, we have to do better, right? Right. And we have to bring everybody along for the ride. So, I mean, again, this is why I'm always about, like, the more diverse, the more different experiences you can bring to the table— the stronger we'll all be. And how much more fun is it that way, right? To have a little bit of conflict and a little challenge and get through it together. And that's how you grow. Yeah. I mean, I I literally have to say that to my clients because sometimes I think the notion is if it's going to put us in an uncomfortable situation, if it's going to create angst, if it's going to create anxiety, if it's going to make us afraid, we we run from it. We don't want to do it. But I'm the person standing behind you that says, do it afraid. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where the growth happens. You ever take your the girls to the doctor and maybe they're having aches and pains. I don't know if they've, if they've had this yet, depending on what age they are, but I certainly saw it with the boys. Taking them to their pediatrician, pain in the knees, um, pain in the back. And the doctor would say, oh, it's growing, growing pains. Growing pains. And so if that's a physiological fact, it's a psychological fact. It's an emotional fact. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's interesting, too. Like, I think there are some people in my life where I'm like, they haven't they haven't had any pain. <laughs> and it shows. It shows. <laughs> it really shows. Yeah, yeah. It really shows. And don't ever want to step outside that box. Don't ever want to try anything new. And um, I have a hard time not feeling bad, you know, or sorry for them because they just don't even know what they're missing. You know, mm-hmm. life is so full. And even— when I was having, like, the health scare of 2023 is what I'm calling it. Okay. Um, you know, it was like I was experiencing a helplessness and a powerlessness and a, a suffering that mm. I hadn't felt in a while. Mm. You know, so it was it was weird. I was like, what is this? Why, well, I just, I can't, I don't, I don't get it, you know? And it was yeah. like, well, this is... This is like the other the other flip of the coin, you know, and right. when the highs are high, the lows are low, and yeah. that's life. This yeah. is It's a life experience, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you keep living, and uh, you will ultimately lose a parent. If you keep living, sometimes you might even, the unthinkable, lose a child. If you keep living, you know, 
you have to own and acknowledge the fact that sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes bad things happen without a reason. Sometimes it's just the season of life. So there will be, what they, what's the saying? Pain is a guarantee. Growth is optional. Mm, yes. So That's a good one. Yeah. So what is in you that makes you continue to deal with the pain? Or do you feel like you're good? Like, do you get to a point where you're like, you know what? I am evolved. I have reached self-actualization. <laughs> yeah, and then something happens that shows me a gritty side of me. Yeah. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, that, you know, I, I, I use the analogy in my book that sometimes when you overload your purse, things pop out. And so when you're carrying a heavy bag, I don't know if you remember Erica Badu's song, Bag Lady, and all the, the drama, all the stuff we keep in our bags, using our purses as the analogy for our hearts or for our, and all the stuff that we carry. And so using that same analogy, when we overload our bag and we overload our bag with obligations, we overload our bag with emotional pain, with too many people in our lives that are draining mm-hmm. on us, the vampires, you know, in our lives. And so... I say when my bag is overloaded, things just start popping out, right? And Mm. when things start popping out, that means I got too much going on. And sometimes those things popping out are causing me to react and respond in ways that I learn something new about myself that I don't like. Yeah. You know, and and say, okay, still working on that. Yeah. No, I've never arrived, but I'm constantly in motion and I try to be—the the benefit and value of the work around self-awareness is that now when something surfaces that's not right, I get that little tinge in the back of my head that says, you know, you really shouldn't have said that, Shay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now you got to go back and apologize, you yeah. know? Yeah. Well, and it's an opportunity to demonstrate that you're working on it and you are doing better and— that you're not perfect, yeah. right? And yeah. I think the sooner that you recognize that and admit that to yourself, the rest of the world will follow follow in suit, right? Yeah. Well, one can hope, right? And the hell with them if they don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You can just cross people off your list if they don't accept you as you are. Well, yeah. And then you, you know what I've learned? I got to give people grace because I want grace. I do. Because sometimes I show up and I'm just an ogre. You know. What? Yeah. I do not believe it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I do. I do sometimes. And and it's when I'm most ogre-ish, it's usually for me, I realize it's I'm afraid of something. So when I show up at home and I'm fussy with, the, with my sons um, and it's about, what do you mean you haven't put in that application that the deadline is tomorrow and I can't believe and I'm like yelling because sometimes I do I'm, I'm I'm a yeller sometimes too because they always have their ears plugged up with those dad oh, really? headphones at home oh. you know so I'm afraid of and then I have to play it out okay why are you yelling why are you upset what's going on here and it's well I'm afraid they won't get into that school and then if they don't get into that school what happens well then I'm afraid they won't get the career that they want, and then what? And I have to play it out. And as I play it out and talk it out, okay, so that's what this is all about. And you know what? That's a little bit ridiculous, Shay. So calm down and, and, and relax. And, you know, some of these tips I learned in therapy, you know, yeah. one of the things my, my therapist would say is when you start to get these feelings or these thoughts, instead of um, changing the thought, you know, which is what I would normally do. Well, let me think about something else. I can't. I, I would have my scarlet as being a southerner. You might get this. My scarlet I'll O'Hara. I'll think about it tomorrow. Yep. So if you can't come up with a, an answer, you know. 
Well, you think know, about it tomorrow when you calm down. And you know what? That served me well as a young single mom just trying to make it. You yeah, know, well, you were just trying to get your head, like, yeah. keep, keep your head above water. Yeah, I was day. just trying to survive, moment right? Moment to moment. Moment to moment. It didn't serve me well as an adult, as a C-suite executive, as a wife, as a now you're not this low-income chick trying to figure out how to pay the bills and mm-hmm. feed your kid. So you need now a different— you're, Now you're just pushing under the rug and you're, right. like, not dealing with the thing that you actually need to— Right. Deal with. But I'd learned that behavior. It was my survival skill. So sometimes what works during certain seasons of your life can be barriers to growth and progress in other seasons of your life. Mm-hmm. So I needed to be the person who would think about it tomorrow back then around certain things. But that doesn't serve me well now. And so I needed a new way of approaching life mm-hmm. um, to be healthy. And so my therapist said, well, you got to lean into those feelings when they come. And she taught me the play it out, play it out, play it out. And I, I remember the first time I tried this, I was actually at one of my son's basketball games. And this may seem silly to some, but I felt my anxiety rising because he wasn't being put into the game. And I'm like thinking through of all of the angst, I was channeling what he might have been feeling on the bench channeling it. And my anxiety kept rising. I'm sitting in the bleachers and I'm stressed. And I had just had that therapy session earlier that day. And she, and and I'm like, okay, I have a choice here. I'm at a crossroad. Am I going to pull out my phone and just start thinking about going to work mode and start thinking about something else mm-hmm. to just take myself mentally out of this gym? Yeah. Or am I going to lean into these feelings and practice what she told me to practice? So I chose to practice and I played it out and I'm like, okay, so if he doesn't get a lot of game time, this game, what does that mean? Then, okay, that'll mean he'll come home upset. Okay. And then what? Um, Maybe he'll go back into the gym and say, what do I need to do to get more time, coach? Maybe he'll, and then what'll happen? Maybe the coach will give him more time and then what'll happen? And so I had to literally go through the steps and then I'm like, oh, you know what? Things are going to be good. He'll be okay. Yeah. I'll be okay. Release it. Let it go. Yeah. That was that was life-changing for me. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I feel like me in that situation, I would, like, fly off the rails and go after the head coach and <laughs> tell him put my kid in, you know? Like, I don't know. Some parents do. It never works well. Yeah. Parents behave badly at these things. But you but you see why, right? They're, they're, out of fear. Yeah. Their kid's yeah. not going to get an NFL job <laughs> Even, or college, right? right? Like they're not going to get scholarships or the the recruiter or what is what do they call this? Scout is like in the stands. It's like their kids have to be, or you, how many, how many times have you seen or experienced like parents fighting with the referee or the umpire? Oh yeah. It's like, oh, my God. oh yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's definitely part of it. But when you know your kid is not going to the NBA, like we, we didn't raise our kids to dream about the NBA. We raised them to dream about careers, either helping people, you know, helping people, um, choosing purpose, finding, you know, so so we didn't raise them, not that the MBA isn't a, a career in, it, in and of itself, but, mm-hmm. um, and a great career. And it, the, But it's just the odds are right. not in anybody's it's, favor, right. really. It's like lotto, right? Yeah. You know? So beyond the fear of that maybe they won't make it into the NFL, the NBA, or into play college sports for the NCAA, 
you just sometimes have the fear of what is it doing to their confidence? Mm. What is it doing, you know, uh, and, and you worry about that. Like, you know, I am very much emotionally in tune to my children and I have the desire for them to be emotionally healthy and secure. And I sometimes wonder what the actions of others might be doing to impede or impact that. And so so when these things happen, sometimes my anxiety is more like, geez, we just got them over this bump and and here we are and, and this is going to take them back five steps or take her back three steps. Mm. And, and sometimes it's even just more immediate than what is it going to mean for them five, ten years out. And it's just like, oh, man, they're going to come home. They're going to be stressed out tonight, yes. bad day at school tomorrow. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yes. Oh, my God. It's just like your heart is living outside your body. Yeah. yeah. And for you, times three, right? You have three. Yep, I have three yeah. as well. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like how do you keep your mind right through that process? And it's like a lot to manage, right? Your, mar- mar- your marriage, your career, your business, your kids. Right. You know, um, in, in the book, um, I start each chapter with um, lyrics from a song. To the point that you're making now, I'm thinking about the one I chose with Regina Bell, R&B singer who wrote a song called If I Could. And it was a song that I thought about raising my daughter for years. And, and the, the line goes, if I could, I would try to change your or save your innocence from time, but the Part of life I gave you isn't mine. She would say, I changed the world I brought you to. Oh, my God, I can't remember all the lyrics. But I can tell you that she's basically saying, this world is crazy. I would change it if I could, but I can't. So I'm just going to love you through it. And I think about that with all my children and how the world is a crazy, sometimes messed up, sometimes beautiful, sometimes glorious place. And I want you to go out there and I want you to experience all that you mm-hmm. can. But there's going to be some difficult times. Yeah. And if I could, I would try to save you from that harm. But I can't. And it's not going to do you any good. It's not going to do you any good. Yeah. I mean, I think about that all the time where I like, I'm from New Orleans, right? So mm-hmm. moved up to Saratoga Springs and I'm raising these three beautiful little girls in a very idyllic quaint upstate New York town mm-hmm. and w- will they ever will they ever have challenge or suffering or see how the rest of the world actually operates and um you know they will only see that if I bring them right yeah. and have them experience it yeah um but it will benefit them to to see all aspects of a life yeah. not just the the easy one. I'm not to say that there's no struggle in Saratoga, but it's a right. different, it's a, just a different. It's a different struggle. Yeah. I, I get it. And, you know, I think as parents, um, our job is to provide opportunities for controlled experiments in that way, right? So one of the things I did when my daughter graduated high school is we went on a missions trip to South Africa and we worked with AIDS orphans. And so I was intentional about bringing her and giving her that experience before she launched into the world. Mm-hmm. Because after the age of six or seven, she moved, we moved out of the projects of Brooklyn. So she grew up up here. She went to Farnsworth Middle School in Gilderland. She went to Albany High by choice. We had a choice, I remember. Um, she wanted more diversity. Her experience at Farnsworth was, I, I just need to be around 
more diversity mom. Yeah, people who look like me. Yeah. So so we she chose Albany High. We went to all she went to Albany High, had a great experience, graduated from the University of Buffalo. So she, you know, did very well. You very did well. very well. Yeah, thank, thank I mean, you gotta get I'm proud credit. of yeah. her. She's yeah. a clinical social worker. She's um, worked for one of the top research hospitals. She used to work for MSK doing clinical social work. So she's a rock star. And right now she's still she's doing social work for one of the top family therapy organizations in New York City. She's in the city, right? Yeah, in New York <clears> City. But during that time, I'm like, you're gonna have this experience where before you go off to college. To know it's not about you. This life is about making the world a better place for others. And so going to South Africa, that two, two and a half week experience, it had to have led her to think about doing this social work work, yeah. you know, that she's she has a heart for it and has a skill for. She's just so good at it. Yeah. I mean, I think just the impacts, right, that mm-hmm. you can make on people by just sharing an experience, sharing a story and immersing them in in, in a way of life is incredible. Right. To yeah. see that other people don't have the privilege that you grew up with. Yeah. And you can do that in your home. You can do that right here. Oh, yeah, right? absolutely. There's so many opportunities mm-hmm. in the capital region yep. where you can go and be of service and yep. ha- get perspective. Yep. And um, We've done that with our sons. You know, Thanksgiving, one time they fed the poor and the hungry during Thanksgiving. We did that. Our church is in inner city Albany. And, you know, they work the summer camp. They volunteer for the backpack giveaways, yeah. they volunteer doing the food giveaways through Catholic charities. So service is, is what we believe in and is a part of what we expose our children yeah. to. So tell us more about the book. Why did you write this? It's such a great way of documenting your life story and also leaving people with actionable steps to, to take yeah. in their own yeah. lives. So I think what we share in common, Catherine, is we both women of action, right? So we want to encourage other women to take action. Nine years before the date of publication, I thought about needing to share my story for me initially. But then as I began to grow and evolve as an executive and then I started to add coaching into my portfolio, I realized that there were so many women who were dealing with some of the same issues that I was dealing with and some of the same feelings of not being enough, sometimes being too much, the need to show up, sometimes just to for the sake of pleasing people, sometimes for the sake of me feeling that I'm filling a hole within myself, so I need to be here, I need to be doing things to feel good about myself. So all of these things were popping up, and sometimes things like addiction and other things were popping up in these consulting coaching sessions. And so I said, okay, Shay, you're not alone, but no one, or rarely, I don't want to say, I don't want to say no one, but rarely are you seeing women who are able to find the courage. And let me say, not every woman should do this because it's to put it all out there. You have to be able to live with what comes with that, that burden of transparency. So it's a gift, but it's also a burden. And a responsibility. And it is a responsibility. To be honest, if you're going to put it out there, be honest about the story. Mm -hmm. And then the people in your lives, like, they're coming along for that ride too, They are. They are. They got to be on board. They got to be on board. Or you got to be willing to, Mm -hmm. you know, have that conversation. Right, right. Dr. Shea's here to walk us all through, through this thing called life. Mm. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed I love our you. time together. Love you too, girl. 
right, moms and dads, I got a parenting hack for you, and it's called the Hoffman Car Wash. If you are a member of the Unlimited Car Wash Club, you're in for a real treat because you can go for free, essentially, if you're paying the monthly fee. I don't know if we're doing any girl math or mom math here, but you pay the fee and you can go get a car wash as many times as you want. And it's one of those things that's like a multifaceted experience. If I'm with the kids, they love to ask the car guy, like if he can draw a little design on the window, they always play ball. They always do something fun. And then we go on through the car wash and it's almost like this thing comes over my kids. Like they're not psychopaths when we leave the car wash. It's like some sense of like therapy for them. Also form of therapy when I am by myself and I need to go to the car wash because it's the only place I can scream out loud with no judgment. So if you are not already a member of the Unlimited Car Wash Club at Hoffman, you are missing out on a treat. All right, this week's Facepalm Mom is a flashback to New Year's Day when I spent a majority of my day cleaning up my cabinets. Not because I was like cleaning for the new year, wanting to start fresh. Okay, let me back it up. It's, it's New Year's Eve, well before midnight. I'm on my couch and I'm like kind of like about to go to sleep and I went to go get batteries over by this drawer and I heard some scratches like inside this cabinet. I was like, oh my God, that is a living thing. So luckily my purse was sort of like leaning up against the cabinet so I couldn't get the door open and nothing could get out, which is, you know, the next day I was like, I gotta go tackle this and figure out what the hell that was. Chances are high that that thing is gone now. So open up all the cabinets and then I found evidence of, of a little mice, mouse family you know, party of mice hanging out in the cabinets. And um, in this particular area, my kitchen, all the cabinets are like connected. There's no like walls in between the the doors, you know what I'm saying? So like, it's all connected. I literally had to clean everything out and throw it all away. The culprit of all this, can you guess who it was? You're right, it was Ruby, who had been hoarding Halloween candy in the bottom of my cabinets since Halloween, so like for months, and I mean, this family of mice, they were having a field day. A fe- a f- a, like, they were having their own Thanksgiving, you know? They were just, like, living the life, eating lots of Reese's Pieces. There was, like, foil wrappers everywhere. I mean, Ruby was even, like, putting, like, half-eaten lollipops, no wrapper, no nothing, just, like, in the cabinet, like a n- disgusting, nasty little thing. And and so, yeah, the mice were just, like, loving it and living their lives and eating all the chocolate. I'm sure they're, like— very disappointed now because I've completely cleared out the entire cabinets and it was disgusting. Yeah, that's what I was uh, doing all day on New Year's Day. Thank you for listening to this podcast. And if you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs on Instagram. My handle is Katherine Hover.